In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. They're not the good guys. They're not the bad guys. They're the other guys. Wait, wait, wait. Who the heck are these guys? This is the Finishing Move, the Other Guys podcast with your hosts, the bearded wrestling fan, Chris Colwell, and Finishing Move intern, David Holloway. They're breaking down all the latest in professional wrestling, and they're not just covering the big guys, they're covering the other guys, too. It's the Finishing Move, the Other Guys podcast, and it begins now. Again, though, who the heck are these guys? In 27 years, I still don't know who the heck I am, Chris. I'm still trying to figure out who you are, why you're in the building. I'm supposed to be doing this show. I snuck this in is with- supposed to be a solo show. This is supposed to be <laughs> the finishing move, the other guy's podcast starring Chris Cole. I the snuck in the building behind band. you, man. The security here is weak as hell. Oh, my goodness. They let interns do anything around here. They give them a mic. They put their name on the show now. What in the world is going on <laughs> around here? Hello, everybody, wrestling fans, nerds, fans, uh, smarks, marks, whatever you want to be called all around the Finishing Move universe. This is the Finishing Move, the other guy's podcast. I am the bearded wrestling fan, Chris Colwell. You can also call me the bearded one. I was once called Shockmaster, but I'm, I kind of did that to myself. So I think we're going to put that one to bed. That did you one break through a wall when you first came in the building I, you or know something? You what? I, I did. Uh, it's just I made an entrance. It's memorable, just not for the best way. But guess what? You know, I've done some other embarrassing things around here, like breaking a shoulder, but that's for another story. At least they saw your face when you did it. Yeah, so. that, was, that, was, that was not a great day at the office. I am joined here by my co-host here on the show. He is the intern of The Finishing Move. You know him as the NXT expert of The Finishing Move family. He is David Hollow. What's up, buddy? Not much, Chris. Yeah, the security here is weaker than it is at WWE, man. I swear. <laughs> it's just so easy to get in this darn building. It really is. I mean, you just, you know, apparently you scan your card you're supposed to, but then... You know, sometimes you just open the door and it just works. It just, I don't know. It's one of those things where they give anybody a show nowadays. Well, we got a big weekend of wrestling coming up. First off, let's get into NXT. Last week's show, a lot of development heading towards next week's Halloween Havoc Special Edition. David, we ain't got a chance to talk about it yet. Halloween Havoc coming back for NXT. Are you excited about it? Honestly, I kind of am because you never know, like Shotzi Blackheart could put on a great show. And also, this is just another revival of NXT, bringing back an old pay-per-view like they did for the Great American Bash and in your house as well. And this one, the card's looking pretty good. I like the look of the spin the wheel, make a deal kind of concept like they did in Raw in Vegas. That's that's going to be fun. a long time ago. I know, but it was the first. (laughs) Yeah, but. I'll tell you what, it looks like it's going to be fun because I can't wait to see what they kind of have in store for the Garganos. It's going to be interesting. It will be interesting. And for you uh, new uh, new wrestling fans, you young whippersnappers out there that maybe don't know the history of Halloween Havoc and why you would use a spin the wheel gimmick here. If you go back in WWE Network and look for, I think it was Halloween Havoc 92, 91, somewhere in there. Uh, that was where the first time you really kind of saw that spin the wheel, make the deal concept come into play. Sting and Jake Roberts had a match. That was a coal miners glove match. You know, he did the wheel thing. That's what it landed on. So there's no telling what kind of stipulations you'll see on there, but it's going to be cool as we see uh, both Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano once again going after their respective titles. Gargano going after uh, Damian Priest in the North American title. Candice LeRae going after Io Shirai and the women's title of NXT. Rematches from this past TakeOver, TakeOver 31 with the stipulations should be interesting. Yeah, indeed. I, one thing I didn't like was they just automatically threw Johnny Gargano into the match, even though there was two other guys who were involved. Damian Priest defended his title in one, and then Cameron Grimes came in and interfered. I just think they could have still at least thrown those two in there and made it a fatal four-way. Uh, they could have. And hey, you never know. They might be headed that direction. I'll I tell you this. I don't know how you feel about this character, but I'm not that big of a fan of Dexter Loomis. I just, I, I don't know. I get what they're they're going for. It's like the... 
Um, Samuel Shaw, if you remember him from TNA Impact Wrestling, it's that creepy kind of a, a play on what he was doing there when he stalked Christy Hemme and a storyline there. And I guess it's a cross between that and Dexter, the TV show. So that's why he's called Dexter Loomis. But I don't know. This doesn't do anything for me. I like it, honestly. The little the mystique about him, the the, the thousand yard stare also. And um I don't know. It's, it, it intrigues it's the me. The mustache. The mustache is pretty awesome. It, I'll uh, give you that. I don't know, man. It just I mean, you got adds the beard, level but creepy. You got the beard. He's got the mustache. I mean, like it's it's it's. But kind I'm not of a, creepy. I have a cool beard. I'm, I'm, I'm known yeah, worldwide for my. No, okay, I'm known. I'm known in certain small circles for my beard. I mean, in the world of six eighty, the fan, you are known that way. Yes. Yes. But yeah. No, I'm intrigued by Dexter Loomis. I like his character. I like how he's developed. You know, his feud with Velveteen. Not feud with Velveteen. More like his interest to tag with him. I thought that was kind of interesting, but at the same time, I kind of glad they didn't go that way because Velveteen's best on his own. But like I said, I think they should have thrown Cameron Grimes into the North American title match with Dexter Loomis because Cameron Grimes practically cost him a title shot. So I think that just throw him in there, kind of make up for Loomis's interference in the match as well. That would be, that would be the way to go, I think. Well, we got a takeover coming up in the, I believe, the beginning part of December. I would not be surprised uh, if Damian Priest were to retain here coming up next week on Halloween Havocs, uh, the special Halloween Havoc edition of NXT, and you get to that takeover, you might see a four-way, you might see a three-way. Uh, maybe Gargano moves on from the uh, North American title picture if he doesn't win here coming up next week. Uh, and then you see a Cameron Grimes and a Dexter Loomis go after Damian Priest, and maybe it's time for Cameron Grimes, which you and I have both uh, talked about. You know, he's somebody that might fit well in there. He's obnoxious. He's over the top. He's a Bo he's Dallas, a, basically. He's a Bo Dallas. He's a great heel. Something that I cannot believe TNA and Impact Wrestling never exploited when he was under I mean I had no idea that he had this level of just yeah I don't know interest I don't know obnoxiousness is definitely the word but I don't know it's an entertaining obnoxiousness that you never got to really see when he was in the exhibition in TNA another big thing from last week uh show uh recapping it a little bit Tony Storm makes her return to the main part of NXT she's been a big part of NXT UK now she's part of the main roster NXT, I guess if you want to call it that. I guess the American version. And now that's just another name. We saw her preview at uh, TakeOver 31. She appeared on the video board in the Capitol Wrestling Center uh, seemingly saying, hey, I'm coming for you, Io Shirai. You may be the women's champion right now, but here I am. Also had the return of Ember Moon. She's uh, made a big statement. You've got some big names in the NXT women's division. Could it be any a better time to watch NXT women's wrestling than right now? I agree with you there, Chris. Yeah, but I feel like Ember Moon upstaged Tony Storm when she came back because Tony Storm just got a little video package, but Ember Moon just came out on a on a motorbike and had that big entrance I just feel Ember Moon got the bigger return, but Tony Storm did look really good in the ring. She looked like she hasn't missed a beat, and she's looking very exciting to watch. I love the new entrance they have for her with the camera angles mm-hmm. and the new, like, mm-hmm. they used to have, like, a more of a Motley Crue style music to her, but now it's something different. You know, it's just a different kind of, not really sure how to describe it, honestly, but it's different than what it was, and I like it a lot more. I feel like Tony Storm is good position to get to go after your strap, but I think what should happen is there's probably should be a number one contenders match between Candice, EO, not EO, um, Tony Storm and Ember Moon. Eventually, after Candice, probably will she's gonna lose her title shot. Let's face it, she's not. I don't think she's gonna take the women's title off EO just yet. So if she were to like demand another title shot from really Regal, which I can totally see happening, if something were to go awry, like something were outside interference from her husband, like last time. I can definitely see that happening, but I think Ember and, and Tony should actually get a shot at each other to see who gets to take on EO beca- or better yet, make it a triple threat. I mean, you could go that route. Here's what I think is coming out of next week. I, I do think Johnny's definitely going to lose. I don't know that you just, I think you're really just starting to get Damian Priest into a groove as the champion. But with EO, she's been champ for a good bet. I um, mean, she's been a really good babyface champion. I think you need a heel champion right now. I think a heel, Candice LeRae is NXT Women's Champion, especially when you've got Tony Storm coming back. She's a babyface. Ember Moon comes back. Babyface. You've still got Rhea Ripley out there who hasn't had a title shot since that triple threat with Charlotte and when EO won the, uh, the title in that triple threat. So what would be interesting is to see a heel Candice LeRae as champion trying to fend off all these strong babyface challenges. I think that could be really good. I don't really think EO's full on babyface. She's kind of in between a little bit because she does have her heel tendencies, but at the same time, I just don't see Candice as like a, a big time threat to EO for some reason. I just don't see it like as like she's like this 
dominant force that is going to take out EO. But um, one thing I am intrigued, though, is having Indy Hartwell in their corner. Because that is Indy Hartwell, if you haven't seen her in her matches, mm-hmm. she's looked good. Yeah, she's really good. And that right there, you mentioned her. That could be a, a definitely a reason why Candice LeRae walks out with the championship. But, I mean, yes, Candice does not come off as necessarily a credible threat uh, to really hold the belt long term or even to win it. But that's the thing. You haven't had that kind of like chicken crap champ in a while, for lack of a better way of putting it, uh, here on this family podcast here, the other guy's <laughs> podcast. If you can call it that. <laughs> if you want to call it that. But, um, yeah, you haven't had that cheap champion, kind of the uh, in the mold of like the Miz or Chris Jericho was his undisputed champion where – Come on now. How is he going to hold on? How is she going to hold on to the title? How's he going to hold on to the title? And somehow they slither their way out. It's not that she has to be, you know, the dominant champion. She needs to be the cowardly champion. And I think that could really work, especially imploring the Gargano way. Yeah, I can definitely see that too. I mean, I, she does have that little cowardly champion mentality, but the problem is I feel like she hasn't really developed as much as she needs to be before she actually gets a belt on her because normally you have to wait a little bit after they turn to really get their character developed. Or honestly, if they have in the past, it's different. But, you know, Candace hasn't... I don't think she really has had much practice as a heel. She's been mostly babyface her entire career. Well, you and, and I... So, yeah. Yeah, so I think that she really needs to work on her heel character a bit more because as you said a couple weeks ago, we've talked about this. She's not really believable as a heel just yet. So I think she needs a little bit more work to do. But with this addition of Indy Hartwell, I think this could go somewhere. Yeah, I, I do too. And I think what helps her be a credible heel is her husband. I think Johnny's doing a great job in his heel role, which is amazing considering that he was such a great baby face for NXT. I mean, he was that guy that was, to me, was like a Shawn Michaels mold in that you know, he told a great story in all his matches. He was that baby face that was always in peril, somehow never quitting. He was great in that role. He sold so incredibly well. Um, seeing him now in this heel situation is just the fact that he's pulling it off and pulling it off well is quite impressive. And I think that's what makes her will make her a strong heel. Maybe she's got to develop a little bit more, but having the package of Johnny and Indy, I think, could really help her. Yeah, I, the thing with Johnny was he was the the rah rah babyface, but he wasn't as bland as they normally are. You know, there's a lot of those kind of babyfaces out there. Like you know, we talked about Britt Baker back when she was a babyface. She was bland. She didn't really have a lot of like pizzazz about her as a babyface. And Johnny Gargano was that, but he had something about him. There was just something about him that kind of made him stand out as a babyface compared to the other like never give up babyfaces that are normally. Kind of a bit of a snooze fest. I think the thing with Johnny is that in that situation was, you know, you got to see him really develop and come on in a tag team with Tommaso and DIY. And I mean, they just put on great matches after great matches and they were coming so close. He almost, he turned into NXT's version of Daniel Bryan. Everybody, you know what? He was the underdog that everybody could get behind. It's not that he necessarily was doing anything different than other, you know, underdog superstars and those uh, white meat baby faces, if you will. I mean, he was just, I don't know, he caught the imagination of the NXT audience who were just rallied behind him for so long until they started not to care about him anymore. (laughs) And that necessitated the heel turn because when you've got a heel Finn Balor, at least I thought he was a heel, uh, attacking Johnny Gargano and people are cheering, I guess that's not a good sign. Yeah, I mean, there's the time they really run their courses really quick. The underdog story gets old fast. It just depends on who is doing it. If that person who is really kind of being pushed as an underdog when they're truly are an underdog, like Daniel Bryan when he first came out, he was seen as like, oh, you'll never make it to WWE. Everybody was telling me you're never going to do it. And then he actually wins and gets it taken from him and then he's fighting this way to get back. That's a really good way to push an underdog story. But there's most of the time when you see these white meat baby faces, they're just automatically labeled as an underdog without really just, you know, anything attached to it. And it gets really boring fast. It's it's funny. Fans are, it's, it's a, we're, we're, we're a different breed. And it's just like it, some of these guys, it doesn't necessarily, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You just kind of fall in love with certain superstars for certain reasons and certain guys for whatever reason it is. And I think, honestly, with Johnny, it's what I go back to, is the fact that he sold so well. He was so sympathetic. It's one thing to be the white meat baby face. It's another thing to be coming off as incredibly sympathetic. And I think that's what really got him over, not only in DIY, they were a sympathetic tag team, but then when his best friend turns on him and just, 
you know, stabs him right in the back. How can you not want to root for the guy? I think it was told well, but like you said, it did run its course eventually, and he was going to have to turn heel. I think the Daniel Bryan run would have eventually run its course, and it really did. I mean, unfortunately for him, it was injuries that took him out of action for two, two and a half years, and when he came back, everybody celebrated, hey, Daniel Bryan's back, but what happened over the course of that year in 2018 before he turns heel and becomes world champion later that year? You know, fans were happy to see him, but he was kind of lukewarm. It was like, hey, Dana Bryan, all right. It yeah, wasn't we've the seen same. This, we've seen this already. Exactly. Um, what, what's new? I mean, honestly, I think the fight for your dreams thing, I'll, as great as it was, it was kind of cheesy at the same time. I think that's what, that, for me, it just seemed kind of corny. Kind of like this stereotypical, like, you know, motivational kind of thing. Right. I, it, just, it was just a little too corny for my taste. I right. think is the best. That's There's probably a better word for it. That's just the way I'd describe it. I think a lot of people wanted to see Daniel Bryan. You know, it was the big moment. He's back in the ring. We get to see him wrestle at WrestleMania. He can wrestle again. It's awesome. And everybody was all into that match. But afterwards, it's how you book him. And I think that was part of it because I think most fans were like, all right, well, he left. He was on top of his game. I mean, honestly, he should be right there in the thick of, we want to see Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, but they made us wait for it by making him feud with Big Cass and feud with the, uh, the uh, what, what was Gallo, or not Gallo, Rowan and Harper's, uh, the, uh, what was their tag? The Bludgeon team? Brothers. Bludgeon Brothers. There you go. They're the Wyatt family. Come on. Yeah. But the Bludgeon Brothers, that, and, and then that, again, we go back to the Miz storyline, which, Again, they feud well, but they do. Miz beating Daniel Bryan, nobody wanted to see that, yeah. which is pretty much what happened in that feud. So that's why that didn't yeah. work. Also uh, coming up on this week's show, we got Kushida, Velveteen Dream, and Tommaso Ciampa, Triple Threat. That's an interesting storyline. We talked about it a few weeks ago with Kushida and Velveteen Dream, how uh, you know their their match was so physical, and it was just like you got to see this aggressive side of Kushida, and it you know continued on from there with Kushida and Tommaso Ciampa in a match that led to Velveteen Dream getting involved. Now Ciampa, who, let's be honest, he hasn't really done anything. He's been kind of just hanging around ever since that match, or ever since he lost that match to Adam Cole for the title when or in, in the Johnny Gargano blow-off feud. I mean, uh, he was the... He was he was the put-over match for Karrion Cross in his debut on, on TakeOver. I mean, what is what has Tommaso Ciampa really been doing? It's good to see him involved in something, but I feel like he can be doing a lot more. Yeah, because his biggest match as of late was against Austin Theory. And Austin Theory is still kind of suffering from his punishment from his um, little um, um, inappropriate activities, I guess is the best way to describe it, because he's been on suspension, if y'all didn't know, because he went missing after he split up from Rollins and Murphy. He went on suspension, and he just came back about maybe about a month and a half ago or something. And they kind of been feeding him to like Bronson Reed and Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole. Yeah, he's been just dropping matches left and right. Tommaso Ciampa also beat up Jake Atlas. I mean, Jake Atlas just came out and called him out, and he just beat him up the next week. Not real much there either. Yeah. But I think that it's kind of random they threw him in this match with Kushida and Velveteen Dream because they got their own feud going on, and it's it's doing pretty well. I mean, it's just getting started too, even with that takeover match. Do you think Ciampa's suffering from the... Uh, from being so outspoken about, I don't want to go to WWE. I don't want to go to Raw or SmackDown. I want to stay with NXT. I want to stay here because I, I, you know, I just like it on this brand. I don't want to get promoted, so to speak, quote unquote, if you want to call it a promotion, or you can call it, you know, a transition, whatever right. you want to call it, depending on whether you want to consider NXT the third brand or not. They're That's, the third brand. They are. You the, and me are. You and you, I agree. We are firm on that. They're the third. They're the third brand, no matter what Big John and Road Dogs say. <laughs> they're the third brand, but they are the distant third brand. They are not on the same level as Raw and SmackDown. They're way above them. They're. <laughs> you're on your own on that one. I'm gonna oh, at least hey, be man, a, come on. You got. You. I'm gonna be a realist at this point. Look at the ratings. <laughs> I don't know. I say talent-wise and show production quality, they are above them, honestly. Well, well, then, yeah, but folks could argue that Impact Wrestling is equal to some other brands, too, that are fans of it. Or, you know, New Japan. But guess what? They're not Raw or SmackDown in the States. It's not the same. Look, bottom line, whether we like it or not, Raw and SmackDown is still the big leagues. That's still WWE. Yes. And they're, they draw better. They make more money. That's the big show at this point until somebody knocks them off. NXT can't even compete with AEW at this point. Speaking of AEW, last week, uh, lots of interesting developments. Yeah. Um, we also, at this point, we're less than three weeks out from Full Gear, which will be their next pay-per-view. It's on November 7th, which is a Saturday, uh, as they normally do Saturday pay-per-views. Looks to me... 
They haven't announced it yet, but based on the finish to last week's show, John Moxley retains his uh, AEW World Title against uh, Lance Archer in the main event. A what was it? A hardcore match? Some type of no, no disqualification. No disqualification. Uh, you and I talked about it uh, off air recently. That um, you know we whether you thought Lance Archer was going to come away with it and it was time for a change. I didn't think it was going to happen. So they they keep the belt on Moxley and the finish to the show. You see. The what I don't still don't know what the name of the is it the family what's the name he of the group? calls himself his he calls them his family I'm not sure if there really is an official name I think they're just a group of buddies getting together and all of that but I think I say for just just sake we'll just call them the family but there always was was that back on SmackDown a long time ago with Edge La Familia the, yeah La Familia with Ed, the Edgeheads Vicky Guerrero Edge and um, Chavo and um, whoever his um, big big guy was i can't remember oh, his name oh bam neely bam I know neely. You're yeah that's bam right. neely that's right that's a name from the past that's a throwback good if you can actually find it on wikipedia you can read about him but i i guarantee you he probably doesn't even have a page because he was in the company such a short time who we're talking about his family is eddie kingston who has been a big focal point of aew the last few months ever since his debut in that match against cody for the tnt title is a surprise appearance the fans kind of rallied behind him to get him a contract with AEW. They gave it to him. Now he's been a big part of the storylines there. Has formed the faction with Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. Well, Penta, Penta L. Cero M. Penta you know, L. M. He's just going to be Penta to me. Yeah, just Penta. He's had that's, 15 name changes, and I don't appreciate it. I think it. L. Cero M is just a bit too much. That's a bit much. Now, what I've read about that is apparently there's a... Uh, copy maybe a name rights thing with AAA that AEW wants to have the name copyright or him to have the name copyrighted so that they don't have to pay anything to AAA. Whatever. Either way, uh, it, it's it, Phoenix and, and Penta along with Butcher and Blade. Apparently, Bunny's back in She's the fold back, now. Yes, which that was kind of out of left field. But either way, Eddie Kingston is the leader of the group, and he has been off and on feuding with Moxley ever since All Out. He attacks Moxley with the back uh, elbow at the end of the show last week. It looks to me like we're headed towards Eddie Kingston, John Moxley at full gear. And I think that Moxley is going to come away with this one again, because honestly, I think it would make more sense if it would be you know, Moxley versus the winner of this tournament, which we both are. We kind of hinted at was going to be either Hangman Page or Kenny Omega. I'm thinking it's Omega. Mainly because Moxley against Omega would be a fantastic match and Omega would be a great heel champion because he's kind of trending heel now. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't know, if you didn't watch AEW Dark on Tuesday, QT Marshall is facing off against one of the family. I think it was it, not Penta or Phoenix. It was probably it was like Butcher or Blade or somebody. And um, did you watch the show? No, I did actually, but I can't remember who it was. It was um, it no, was actually, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. It was a, it was a two-hour show. Night. It was a two-hour show, man. There was a lot of wrestling going on. You know, but you mentioned that. I I remember watching the show when it first debuted, and it was right around it an was hour. It like a half hour or something. Maybe yeah, a half hour. They had maybe three, four matches, and it's grown. It's kind of been a thing ever since the uh, when they had extra matches kind of in the can based off the, when they did all those tapings after COVID become an issue, and they did the, the tapings up at QT Marshall's school, right. uh, and they did uh, dynamite tapings, and then they did a whole bunch of matches for Dark. And they started just having like an overload and abundance of matches. Oh, we got 11 matches. Let's do it on dark. I tried watching the show a few weeks ago. Good Lord. It's a lot you of wrestling. Don't need 11 or 12 squash matches, for lack of a better way of putting it. It's not squash matches. They have more competitive. It's they not do. like a traditional WWE, but they are squash matches in the sense that you know who the talent is on the main roster of AEW, and they're going to win. They're not going to lose. Right. How many of those can you do <laughs> that are all predictable throughout yeah. the course of a night? My lord! But back to what I was saying earlier. Anyway, QT Marshall had a match, and it was, uh, it was he was facing off, and then and he Kingston comes out and distracts him out, and he says he's got somebody, and then out comes Allie dressed up in her black leather, which is always a pleasant sight, and um, QT Marshall gets distracted, and he's like, "Wait a minute, what the heck's going on here?" And then afterwards, um, they Eddie is out with everybody else, and he's like, the family's back together, including Allie, known, also known as the Bunny, who is with her husband, the Blade, and the Butcher, and and apparently they're back. And even now, I think she's better off without the mask, personally, because I just think Agreed. She, she looks better. I mean, like, she's already got a pretty enough face, man. You don't have to cover You shouldn't. It's a sin to cover she's that She's not up. a bad-looking woman. It's a sin to cover up that face. But anyway, um, now they're all back together. And also speaking of AEW, there's another headline that came out a couple days ago. 
Oh. So there's this kid, Ben Carter, who's mm-hmm. who's been on AEW Dark a couple times. Fantastic matches. Oh, my God. This guy can freaking go. This guy's a high-flying style. One of the best prospects out of England to come out in a while. He's basically working for AEW for free. But Miro, on an interview, revealed that he has gone to the dark side. Apparently, WWE is now signing Ben Carter to a contract and odds are he'll be headed to NXT or NXT UK. And man, that is a huge acquisition. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you saw some of his action, he was uh, impressive. Um, Solomon's a few matches on Dynamite and Dark. So, I mean, if AEW didn't, if they missed their chance, maybe they just didn't have the money to offer the contract to him. They've offered a lot of the, uh, some of the, the talent that's come through Dark over the last several months. Several that are from, for those of you that uh, don't uh, know already, that our show is localized here to Atlanta, Georgia. And there's a, a local indie promotion called Southern Honor Wrestling out of Canton. That uh, several of the wrestlers that you've seen on Dark lately are originally kind of from that area. Lee Johnson started out with Southern Honor Wrestling. Uh, Alan Angels, who's, uh, which number is he? He's five in uh, the Dark Order. He was the SHW World Champion or SHW Champion at one point. So uh, guys that you've seen from there that have uh, gotten the chance to and gotten signed by AEW. Ben Carter, obviously not one of them. Uh, and uh, WWE was obviously impressed, and they needed some help in the UK brand because they're a little thin over there. What's AEW's loss will definitely be NXT UK's gain. That's a big understatement, man. That's a huge gain for NXT UK because I really enjoyed watching his match against Lee Johnson and also against Scorpio Sky. Even though he was on the losing end of Scorpio Sky, man, he still looked really good. And Scorpio Sky, even he even had to give him props, man. It was such a great match. Well... You uh, mentioned that dark match with QT Marshall. It was actually against Penta. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, Penta L0M is what I'm going to call him because I'm from the South and I don't I don't speak Spanish all that well. You so. don't speak that niche? What do you mean? Uh, <laughs> we'll call him Pentagon Jr. For, I'll just call of, him Penta just because well, it's easier. Well, well, speaking of Penta, he is uh, part of the announced bracket for the World Title Eliminator Tournament. We've heard about it for weeks. Um, they've given us uh, small little glimpses as to who's going to be a part of the tournament. They've announced it now and the bracket in its entirety. Here's what we're looking at. First round matchups, and these are all going to be on this week's Wednesday edition of Dynamite. We'll get the quarterfinals this week. I guess we'll get the semis next week. And then we'll be going into full gear pretty soon with the finals. Uh, in a first round matchup, this is what's interesting to me. Ray Phoenix against Pentagon Jr. in a first-round matchup. The family members doing battle. That's going to be fun, man. A brotherly match is always enjoyable. Look at the Hardys is a big one. The Young Bucks, whenever they go up against each other, is fantastic. And also this one, the Penta and Phoenix, those two are like one of the best luchadors in the world. And also with Phoenix's like quickness, his speed, oh my goodness, he runs along the ropes for goodness sake. I mean, he kicks you square on the, he kicks your head off when he runs across the ropes. Now, this guy, Fenix, has got the balance and the speed to do it, but Penta, man, he's got that power game. He's got the power game and a good compliment to him. Plus, how they know each other so well. I think that's really going to come into it. This is probably going to be a really close match. I really can't tell who's going to win this, honestly. I, you know what? I almost feel like it would probably be a Phoenix win, only because, you know, Ray's... He's obviously in the heel role right now in the tag team, the Lucha Brothers, but he's been, whenever they are split and feuding, he's always been the baby face to Penta's heel. Penta's been a fantastic heel. If you saw him in Lucha Underground, you saw his work there. If you didn't, go find it somewhere. Last I checked, it was on Netflix. If you can't find it there, it's got to be out there, YouTube somewhere. But as a heel there, he was fantastic. Um, I can see Phoenix, if, if what we're talking about, and we'll, they'll lead into our next match, uh, it's on the other bracket, or, or the bottom part of that side of the bracket, Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela. If Omega is going to win, which you and I are probably both going to be in agreement, he's going to win that yep. matchup and is probably going to go on to at least be in the finals of this tournament. Uh, uh, and Omega, as a heel, would have a much better chance. Even on Phoenix and Penta are heels, Phoenix can play sympathy pretty well. And if Omega is going to come off heelish, you need someone that can be sympathetic. I think Phoenix could be better for that spot. So something could happen. I don't know what, what the finish is going to be in that match, but... I would say Phoenix probably gets the nod, but Omega and Janela, <laughs> Joey Janela can be okay to yeah. watch sometimes, but he does nothing for me as far as being a big star. Yeah, he's caught up in a tag team with Sonny Kiss right now, and I like them together, but Joey <laughs> Janela, man, I just put him in like one of those hardcore death matches like he did against Moxley and Firefest a couple years, about a year ago. Put him in one of those, and I'm, I'm intrigued, but in this kind of tournament, it's kind of obvious that Kenny Omega's going to get over, let's face it. But, man, I just really think Joey Janela deserves better. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, th- I think Joey's right where he belongs, and he's uh, you know somebody that kind of gets a little bit of a, a fandom, but he's he's going to be putting over bigger stars because he's just not quite. I just don't see the potential in him that we all saw in like a Darby Allen or we saw in Orange Cassidy. I just don't see it with Joey. I think he can be a good hardcore wrestler, but I mean, you just got to find the right, right opponent for him. He's definitely not going to be a world title contender no. here. So Omega. Janela and Phoenix and Penta. Those two matches are on that west side of the bracket. The east side of the bracket, we got Hangman Page and Colt Cabana. That could be an interesting match just from an entertainment perspective. Well, my thing is that we all know Hangman's going to win that one because it's going to eventually lead to Omega versus Hangman in the finals. But yeah. let's just say this. Cole Cabana has been on Bro- Mr. Brody Lee's bad side for a little bit because he keeps losing, especially in that tag match where he Brody Lee set him up for the pin. But Cabana mm-hmm. blew it. Mm-hmm. He blew it against Dustin Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, like people like, I mean, Evil Uno has been sticking up for him, let's face it. Yeah. He's like the only one right now who really thinks Cabana belongs in the Dark Order. And he's been pushing him hard, but at the same time, Mr. Brody Lee's skeptical. I think this may be finally the thing that puts Brody Lee over the edge and takes and set, kicks Cole Cabana out of the Dark Order if Cole Cabana comes out with the loss here. And I think that's going to lead to a different storyline down the road. Well, here's the weird thing, though. With Cole Cabana... <laughs> Has he ever been officially in, indoctrinated into the Dark Order? I think he's just kind of hanging around. There's, he's there's, like Bret Hart in the NWO. Well, here's the thing with Cole Cabana. When he he was inducted to the Dark Order for, as like a trial, but as it went on, he said Cole Cabana, the Dark Order of the Dark Order on the card every now and then. They would say Cole, Dark Order is Cole Cabana. He would always team up with Evil Uno and all right. of them. So, yeah, I would think he... Is official. I don't know if he's officially part of the Dark Order, but he's definitely associated with them in some sort of way. But yeah, I'm, like I said, I think this may be the time that the Dark Order finally kicks Kokoban out. It could happen, and I mean, we look at this point. What what are we looking at for what Brody Lee? Sorry, Mister Brody Lee could be looking to get Watch into. yourself now. Yeah, I got to be careful. I can't be. Oh man, I can't be. They're always watching. They are. They are. Yeah. Wait, who got- put that camera up there in the corner? What the heck's going on here? I don't know what in the world you're talking about. I'm just going to keep on talking and act like nothing happened here. <laughs> Mr. Brody Lee uh, doesn't right now seem to have a full direction for full gear. You got to figure he's going to be factored in in some way, shape, or form. So seeing him against Colt Cabana in a feud and a match le- leading into full gear, I think we've been building towards this anyway. I mean, I think when the minute that Colt Cabana got approached by the Dark Order, I think we all saw it as... He might flirt with him a little bit, but he's never going to actually really join, and that's going to eventually be Colt Cabana against the Dark Order. And I guess we're going to get to that point. It's just been kind of drawn out and seemed like nothing was really happening. It just kind of was slow progressing. And I know AEW's been good about... Okay, I'll say good about... AEW, that's been their focal point of a lot of their storylines has been the slow, methodical build. My only complaint with it is a lot of times it's so slow that you forget it's even happening like i i get it you don't want to you don't want to rush storylines wwe is great about that they're trying to be the opposite of that but you also don't want it snail's pace to where people lose interest we are a millennial new millennial society where our minds are don't we don't stay focused long enough anymore we lose focus on what what happened four months ago unless you remind us and you expect us to keep up with the storyline all this time eh. I don't know. Maybe you need to make it a little more compressed and not so slow, but I would be okay with with a Brody Lee Cole Cabana match here going into full gear. The other match in that tournament, now we both say Hangman Page likely to win that match. This one's interesting to me. Wardlow versus Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy is someone who has really been given a lot of opportunities to showcase what he can do. He's uh, really shown out well in matches against Cody Rhodes. Uh, in tag matches uh, or matches with MJF, tag matches along with him or with uh, uh, Luchasaurus against uh, both uh, MJF and Wardlow. So there's a history there. I, that one's to me. That might be the toughest match to pick out of all of these because on paper you would say, well, it makes sense to give Hangman a tough opponent and Wardlow and a heel. But do you want to continue to? really kind of elevate Jungle Boy slowly by giving him another profile match, high-profile matchup in a semifinal of this tournament. He's not going to win. He's not going to the finals. But, I mean, saying that he did have a match with eventual, you know, finalist, Hangman Page, could be good for him. Jungle Boy's been on a bit of a meteoric rise as the past couple months. 
I mean, he's he has some, he did have some great matches. Yes, I agree with you. And also, I think that he might go over Wardlow on this one, just because I think just to have that little that one match that'll really give him that big push to say, "Hey, this kid's for real." And everybody's been saying that he has been for real. He's shown it in the in the ring. Hell, he even had a win last night in the dark. And also, I mean, I think that Page versus versus um, Jungle Boy that could be a really good match. I think they mesh really well together style wise. And I could definitely see Hangman really kicking the snot out of Jungle Boy just to get to get to Omega, which I'm assuming that they're probably going to have this match after Omega and his semifinal match. So I'm thinking that Adam Page sees Omega in the finals, and he's really going after Jungle Boy just to get to that get to there. And I think Jungle Boy is going to give him good resistance. So I think that a Jungle Boy win against Wardlow will be great to go up against a Hangman Page who's really determined to go up against Omega. I think you really could have flipped this bracket a little bit by putting Wardlow and Jungle Boy on the other side and Phoenix and Penta on on the side with Hangman because there is history between Omega and Jungle Boy going back to when we really started to see the beginning of... Uh, hang, or not Hangman, but Omega's kind of heelish actions and that six man with the elite against the yeah. Jungle Express. Uh, what was the it? Jurassic Express? Jurassic. What did I say? It said Jungle Express. Jungle Express. Well, you know, if, if Jungle Boy was uh, took charge of it, that could be yeah. Jurassic <laughs> Express. I can't remember. Was he? Was he? Was he taking out Marco or was it Jungle Boy that? It was Mark. I think it was Marco stunt because that really yeah made him because. Look I think it was, yeah, because I remember Omega has got really pissed off for some yeah, reason, and he yeah. go, he had to go after somebody. Marco was right there. Right, right, and that made him look really bad because it's little bitty Marco. But then again, I'm going to be honest with you, I've wanted to slap around Marco stunt for a while myself because he's just annoying to he me. He reminds but, me of Hornswoggle in a way. He's just that little guy who just, uh, just annoys the living heck out of you. You just want to kick him in the head. And just the same. Just the same way you that's a good comparison. It's just like we got to see Hornswoggle beat people with a tadpole splash and it wasn't <laughs> believable. Marco Stunt doing most moves to anybody is not believable because he's five foot two, weighs like ninety pounds. Soaking wet is not believable. My goodness, my wife could beat him up. <laughs> She's probably the same height as him, too. She's 5'1". So, I mean, my gracious, but either way, yeah, it looks like... now. Tell us how you really feel, Chris. Jeez. Hey, I've I've gone down this road before on the uh, the live edition of the Finishing Movie, which you can hear every Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Extra... Yes, yes, got it. Hey, got it, got to plug the show. It's in his contract. He has to do it every show. It is right here on this contract right here. I carry it around with me just in case people don't believe me that I work here. Extra 106.3 FM uh, in the Atlanta Cobb County area. Also online, extra1063.com is the live edition of the finishing move. Again, 7, 8 p.m. every Thursday. And I've talked about it on there before, how much Marco Stunt irritated me. It's been a while. I haven't gone on that rant in a while. I hadn't got that worked up in a while. But man, Take it a kinda, breath. It's it, okay. It good to do We're that in a again. happy place. You I don't. Got, I don't even been this mad since Goldberg beat, beat Bray Wyatt. We got bourbon laying around. If you want to take a swig, man, I Ooh, wouldn't blame you. Can you know what? Just take your nerves off of there, big yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm gonna have to be careful there. That bottle's kind of staring at me. But yeah. <laughs> right, either way, that's your tournament that starts again with, with this week's edition on Dynamite, and and we both agree it's pretty predictable that it'll most likely be Hangman and Omega, which it was very similar to the TNT title tournament where it was very predictable it was going to be Cody and Lance Archer in the finals. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I think shock value in tournaments that lead to storylines that don't make any sense. Uh, WWE's been guilty of that by, oh, it's too predictable. Let's change it up on fans. You don't have to do that. If the road there, if you tell a good story to get there, that's to me all that matters, but that's what we're looking at with that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you said, man. It's just a way. It's just how you get there is really what matters, not who all who ends up winning. Because I mean, I understand the fact that you want to change things up. I'm I'm totally all for that. Just don't make it so stupid, you know. Yeah, like WWE just WWE just overdoes it. That's the right. thing. They don't really. It's not like they're trying to be. They just overdo it. Right. Absolutely agree. Uh, another match determine a title shot is the Young Bucks against Private Party and Dark Order and Butcher in the Blade four way match for the No More Contendership. At full gear against FTR, pretty obvious Young Bucks are probably going to win there because we've been waiting for years for the Revival slash FTR to get the match against Young Bucks. I mean, could they really go any other route here? No, there's really no way you could go about this. You have to give the Young Bucks and feed them to FTR and see what happens because that is the match that every wrestling fan in the world has been wanting to mm-hmm. see. 
And even though the revival has been caught up in WWE for so long, the young bucks have been off in Japan or ring of honor or wherever the heck they were. Those two teams were bound to clash eventually. And this is finally the time. Although I'll say this one private party is one of my favorite tag teams in AEW. Those guys are fun to watch. I remember seeing them for the first time in the kickoff show. It was fighter fest in the kickoff show was their first ever match. And my God, I was blown away by these two kids. Like, like, wow, you actually saw these guys like Mark Quinn would do like three uh, suicide dives in a row and do it, finish it off with a tope called Hilo or something. And, and you just see Isaiah Cassie with his high pitched squeal. It just makes you die of laughter. I remember we saw them live in Atlanta, man, they were just so much fun. Like there's this, the funniest part was I, I there's this one woman sitting in front of me, like which one's Mark Quinn. And I pointed out to her, it's like, Oh, that's my, my last name's Quinn. Or it's like, or something like that. And it's just funny to see like these two guys, like just see them in the ring together. Plus this addition of Matt Hardy. Yes. That it as a mentorship. That is something that I really enjoyed seeing because Matt Hardy is a great influence on tag teams, especially because he's one of the best tag team wrestlers in the game. And he's passing his influence onto one of my favorite tag teams. I am all for that. And also dark Order, butcher and blade are the wild cards here. Dark, dark Order especially butcher and blade are kind of like just there to be there. I hate butcher and blade. I don't hate them. I like their look, but they just I don't do look. It I hate me. everything about them. I, well, you can't hate Allie. I mean, come on. You can't hate the bunny. You know what? I liked Allie better when she was okay. I, I hope I don't get hate for this. When she was the Probably ditzy white. character in impact wrestling, when she was with Maria Canellis, right? And she was like, Oh, oh yeah. Miss Maria, Miss Maria. I love that version of Allie. Sweet little innocent Allie was great. She's got that face, man. It's just that innocence you can see in her face. But man, when she turns heel, my goodness, that just turns a whole different direction than her dark side. Yeah. Man, honestly, man, I can never hate Allie. Just by looking at her, she just makes me <laughs> smile. Not gonna, she just makes me blush just by looking at the girl. I mean, come on. Those, those okay, fans you've seen. Easy. You are getting into road dog, creepy with road dog territory here. I wouldn't I say I'm that you bad, but you know. Over Allie How on could this you year not? Podcast. Well, you're a married man. You, you, I, it's I, so yes, different. Exactly. It's different I, on your end. You're, you don't know what it's like to be single anymore, buddy. Uh, yeah, I so did for anyway. a long time. It's okay. I have to know where my boundaries are now because I do have to eventually go home. Yeah, I'm enjoying doing this podcast. I do have to return home, and I would like to have a happy wife. I will admit, Allie is a very beautiful woman, but we don't, I mean, my goodness, I'm going to need you to calm down before this gets out of control. <laughs> Back to the match itself. If there was one team out of this that I would pick outside of the Young Bucks, and I could actually see where this might make more sense than the Young Bucks. You mentioned Private Party. They've really gotten over as this babyface team. Young Bucks have been heelish. Are you really going to go FTR, who are definitely uh, heels? There's no doubt about that. And the Young Bucks, who are acting the same way. Honestly, I think a Young Bucks private party feud could be good. And here's your basis. We're talking about seeds being planted from long storylines. Who knocked the Young Bucks out of the tournament to crown the first ever in, uh, AEW World Tag Team titles? Private party. Exactly. So if you have private party upset the Young Bucks in this match, go to full gear. Young Bucks, what if the Young Bucks weren't even on the card? Yeah, and that they would, interfere in the match, cause that, private yeah. party. Now you've got a feud to last you a while, FTR. And again, you put off the FTR Young Bucks. You make people wait longer and longer and longer. Do you really think it's worth pissing off those fans just to make them wait for that? Or do you really think that private... I think private parties could get the could get the win, but I don't think they'll need to pin the, the Young Bucks to get there because I think that would make it even more interesting. Because Young Bucks could say, oh, we were never pinned. We never lost this match. And private party would still get the ti- still get the opportunity. And then the Young Bucks would interfere. So I think that if the Young Buc- if the private party is going to win, I think they need to pin either the Dark Order or the Butcher of the Blade. Yeah, you could go that route. And the cool thing with this, if you were to go that route with a feud, is Matt Hardy being the mentor of the private party. There is history with the Young Bucks and the Hardys. There's that, too. So that could lead. Plus the fact that Matt Hardy was kind of part of the elite earlier in the year. I mean, you got some cool storylines you could go from there. We'll see what happens. Uh, we also got Cody versus Orange Cassidy in a rematch from last week's time limit draw for the TNT title. The winner goes on to full gear to face the most popular wrestler, in my opinion, in AEW right now, Darby Allen. I feel like Cody Rhodes has to go over in this one because of the history between Cody and Darby Allen. Darby Allen's first match in AEW was a draw against Cody Rhodes. Yep. And it was a phenomenal match. But I think that Orange Cassidy, we've, we've discussed this before. Orange Cassidy is not really quite his time to put the belt on just yet. Especially with Darby Allen waiting in the wings, I think it's best just to have Cody take this one just so they can have that fantastic rematch. Like they've been planning, I think they've been planning on having a match between Cody and Darby for quite a while now. And I think this is definitely the time to do it. 
And I think Darby's the guy to take the belt off him. We've talked about it before that it, they really need kind of a, a heel a TNT champion to me, someone that will go to those time limit draws. I, I said I thought, you know, maybe an MJF would be a great champion. Maybe, you know, I'm trying to think of some names that would work in that situation, but that doesn't matter. What if it was Cody Rhodes? We haven't seen a heel Cody Rhodes in AEW yet. We've already got the Young Bucks getting heelish. Kenny Omega's getting heelish. I mean, what if what if there was a group of the uh, the executive producers decided, you know what? You've been online on Twitter criticizing us for not, you know, not doing a good enough job or giving ourselves opportunities week in, week out as the executive producers. You know what? We're taking over this show. What if Cody Rhodes had a stranglehold on the TNT title with a heel, and he did just what he did last week against Orange Cassidy? Time limit draws, weaseling his way out of uh, without winning, but he's still holding on to the belt. I mean, you've got a strong baby face in Orange Cassidy, strong baby face in Darby Allen, Jungle Boy. I mean, you've got some names that could really get a good rub off of facing Cody Rhodes in this situation if he was a heel. I think that'd be a really good idea just to have the whole elite turn heel, but you know, it'd be really interesting. Without see, Hangman. Hangman. Without Hangman. Well, Hangman's already quit the Elite. He, well, no, 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 no. He got he? kicked out. That's Young right. Young Bucks booted him out of there. So Hangman has gotten over so much with the whole my beer thing, that, <laughs> which he doesn't do anymore, but that's okay. He should probably still do that, though. I love that. Uh, there's I think a reason why he's not doing it anymore, and I understand, at least with the fans, because COVID reasons. Well, fair obviously. enough. Yeah, but even so, I mean, like, I still thought it was hilarious when he tried. Uh, I, it was a shame that we were so far up. That way he could have, because I had like three beers that night, and I was, it's like what? It was like, what, 10 bucks a beer or something like that? I don't you guys, know. You were the one going to get the beers. I was so <laughs> I had to drive home that night. I took the I took the train, man. I had a, I had a loophole. But anyway. Um, yeah, train didn't go to where I live. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> it was a shame he was so far up, man. That would have been that would have been so funny to have Adam Page steal my beer. I probably would laugh my ass off rather than just have um him him just like be upset with that. That's but, all right. We had John Moxley walk right by our room. That was so awesome. that's all that I'm matters. just upset that Big John got to take that outside seat, man. That yeah. was yeah, he freaking robbed me of that. Yeah, he kind of blocked the view, didn't he? A little bit, yeah. It was kind of <laughs> well. At least, at least when we went directly past this, I could still see him coming down the stairway. But I'm still yeah. looking for that clip of him coming in on live TV. We could just see Big John like pat him on the back as he walked past. We could probably catch ourselves on on TV at one point. But anyway, back to Hangman. Um, yeah, Hangman was kicked out of the elite, and I think that would be great to see him face off against one of the elite members, the heelish, the heel elite members, and like have a little feud like him be going up against. The authority, I guess, is the best way to put that. Like the authority mm-hmm. of WWE with Seth Rollins, Kane, Triple H, Randy Orton, Stephanie McMahon. We can have that with the Elite, like with Cody Rhodes, the Unbucks, Omega, and Randy Rhodes. We can see like a revitalization of the authority. And also with the potential to go up against, like with, like you said, with Cody Rhodes putting over these baby faces. I like that idea. However, I think Darby Allen might be the guy to take the belt off of Cody because... He's got way too much momentum right now. He needs to have some gold around his waist, even just for a little bit. And maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's the catalyst to a Cody Rhodes heel turn. Maybe Darby takes the belt from him at full gear. Cody snaps. He's kind of had some moments where his anger's got the better of him. Cody snaps, goes heel, eventually gets the belt back from Darby in a heelish way, and now we're off to the races. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you kind of need to shift some some of the statuses of some of these guys. I mean, you've got guys that are heels that are kind of getting over or big-time baby faces, even on their heels. One I'll get to in a second, but, uh, I mean, you know what? Young Bucks is a heel. I don't I don't hate that. Omega's a heel. I don't hate it. Cody is a heel. I wouldn't hate it either. As much as he's been super over, that will make him that much more of a heel. One of those heels, as I mentioned a second ago, that <laughs> – let's be honest. His heel life uh, – uh, his heel – uh, shelf life wasn't going to be very long because every time he comes up with a new creative character to get over as a heel, it eventually gets over with the baby faces. And I'm talking about Chris Jericho. It's just a matter of time. I don't know if the inner circle as a group ends up baby faces too, but what I will say is this. Chris Jericho is always going to be loved by the fans no matter what he tries to do because he's so dadgum genius. He's so entertaining. And last week's segment with MJF is another example of this. The man... Got hyped up for a steak dinner. <laughs> you know, it's funny. The, Jericho is so over as a heel slash babyface. He got the crowd to chant, we are idiots. <laughs> That's true. He got, he can get, if he can get the fans to chant that, you know, you know that he's that kind of guy. But man, 
Honestly, a steak dinner would get me hyped up because I love steak. But it depends on what kind of steak it is. We're talking filet mignon. We're talking T-bone. We're talking Honestly, if it's rare and red meat, if it's rare and red meat, man, it's going in my mouth regardless. Did you say Just rare? Say, yeah, Danny, kidding me? That's where all the flavors at. Oh man, man, rare and fatty. That's how I like Ooh, it, bro. Medium well will work for me, but oh, like, dude, me, uh, with a little bit of pink in the middle. You might as well take your shoe off and throw it on the grill if you're gonna cook it that long. Oh, for God's no, 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 sake, no, no, come no, 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 on. No. Well done is a shoe. Medium well is perfect. <laughs> no, it's medium well is a flip flop. Right? This show is now we're arguing over steak. <laughs> hey, steak. What has happened to the <laughs> other guy's podcast? <laughs> steak is an important thing, man. Come on, it's a man's meal. It's a man's show, man. Quit horses around here, anyway. Okay, so anyway, <sighs> that whole segment, man, was just hysterical. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was so funny because, like, first you have Jer- Jer- MJF come out calling out Chris Jericho. Everybody's got their jackets on. He says, Sammy, I finally got you your jacket, man. Go ahead and put it on. Sammy's like, heck no, I ain't putting this on. And Jericho's like, Sammy, quit being a dick. Put it on. And he puts it on. It's like 10 sizes too big on him. It looks like a freaking prom that dress. That was hilarious. That was so funny. That, yeah, I'll tell you what it compared it to. My son, when he was born uh, a little over a month ago, I can't believe it's been that long. It's been about six weeks. He was a little small for his size. And so some of the clothes that, w- that was purchased for him were a little big. So we would put on some of his onesies, and they had the little sleeves would be too long. You'd have to roll them up. It, it looked like Sammy Guevara with that jacket on. It was just a great comparison. Like, he looked like a child in, like, a toddler. He looked like a, a newborn baby in a toddler's clothes. I think what he looked like was, you know how there's that stereotypical thing where three kids are standing on the shoulders and that giant trench coat with a hat on? It looks like what he looks like what, what, what he would look like if two of those kids were to jump off and then that one kid would be left in the trench coat. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, it goes on to, like, they just, MJF is making this career announcement. And it turns out he's trying to get out. He wants to join the inner circle so bad. He wants to say it, but he just can't. He just says something random. Pulls off, says, come on, Max, you got this. You've been practicing for this. And then he finally says he wants to join the inner circle. And the rest of the inner circle is like, hell nah, we don't want you in there. <laughs> but we then Chris is you. like, eh, wait a minute, guys. We're going to make a group decision. You know what? We need to have a state dinner <laughs> this is the way he delivered that it was line fantastic. the way he delivered Trish's delivery is always hilarious and plus the alliteration the rhyming just makes it even funnier yes because there was like they called it what a dinner debonair or something like dinner, that yeah the steak dinner so, debonair oh my gosh man where's he come up with this stuff never wanted a steak dinner more than this oh my god <laughs> <laughs> my glad god. So, i don't care where this storyline goes i don't care if it's mjf versus jericho if they end up as a tag team leaving the inner circle i don't care what happens i'm gonna be entertained all along the way because mjf is so great on the mic and jericho is a freaking genius this is what people will be tuning in to aew for Yes, they'll be they'll catch the matches, but you've got to have something that's going to catch wrestling fans' eyes. If they see Chris Jericho and they haven't seen AEW before, they they come across TNT, they see Jericho. Hey, wonder what he's doing, and they start watching this segment. It's going to be incredible. They're going to laugh their tails off, and they're going to stay for Kenny Omega versus Joey Janela, and they're going to say, "Oh man, this dude's a great wrestler." This uh, this kind of an angle that is entertaining is what could hook your fan base moving forward. It's like when. MJF first came into it came into AEW and he teamed up with Cody Rhodes. He joined the Elite for a little bit. You just knew he was going to turn eventually, and he built up that baby face with Cody. And then when he finally turned on Cody, that's when you really got to see what MJF could do. Because before then, he was just doing like these one-off matches in pre-shows and whatever. Because you could tell he was re- he was a talented wrestler. You could tell he was good on the mic. But when he finally got that feud with Cody. You really saw what he could do, and he shined in that role. And now he's going to do that sort of an angle with Jericho. He's playing the sympathy card with Jericho. He's playing like the buddy-buddy card. And I think eventually Chris Jericho is going to warm up to him, and MJF is just going to turn around and stab him in the back, and there's going to be a great feud between the two. I think so. that could very well be where it goes because you're not going to turn MJF babyface out oh, of this. Oh, hell no. Are you kidding me with the mic skills like that and the heel persona that gives off? Come on. What if this turns into, we're going to go way back machine here, folks. We're going back to the Attitude Era. Ooh. When The Rock usurped Farouk. As the leader of the Nation of Domination, Ooh, that's a throwback. What if MJF took over 
the inner circle. I like from Chris it. Jericho. I like that idea. That would be funny to see. Me, I like just to see Chris Jericho like go up mm-hmm. against his own inner circle that he put together. Like how he and Sammy Guevara built up the Sex Gods, the tag team that they do, and now Jericho is also doing a tag in with Jake Hager. He brought him into AEW just to see that. That, it's kind of like when Wade Barrett kind of got kicked out of the Nexus and CM Punk t- took over. That would be something to see, too. That's I like that idea. I, <laughs> let's just hope it doesn't turn into the new Nexus because that was a train wreck. Yeah, they, as they, was they, the that was a massive missed opportunity by WWE to, with the Nexus. I agree. Or as Santino Marilla called it, the Apple Corps. Now, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. The, there was an own group Santino formed called the Apple. And then the oh, other yes, group. Was, yeah, because yeah, they were the yeah. core and he was the Apple, yeah. yes. Yes, Santino Marella. I love that guy, man. He was awesome. He was, he was awesome. Uh, some other notes from around the wrestling universe. Did you watch NWA Power when it was on? Not really much, no. I didn't really have um, the ability to find it. It was honestly. on YouTube. That's where it was at. It was always on YouTube. It was actually really easy for you to find if you to really look. <laughs> I just never really tried. Gosh, between you and Big John not being able to find Impact Wrestling, and I'm telling him every week, find it on Twitch. It's that simple. It's not hard. It's out there if you really want to find it. Okay, I'm going to calm down here. <laughs> well, NWA Power last week, last year, good show uh, that developed. Uh, Billy Corgan put it together. Uh, filmed here in Atlanta at the GPB Studios. Good. Uh, it was great studio style show. NWA. Uh, good to see them kind of develop something new. Uh, and unfortunately, coronavirus put their production on a halt. They have not had a regular show in well, pretty much since. I think they had uh, taped enough content to get them into April. They were supposed to have Crockett Cup here in Atlanta. That didn't happen. Uh, and then that kind of, uh, you know, they went on hiatus for a while because it's just, it doesn't make sense. I don't think the money would be there without a crowd for them to be able to do the show. Uh, so it's been on hiatus. But what they found was a way to keep the titles out there that they had, uh, which you had a numerous champion. You had Nick Aldis as the NWA World's Champion, Thunder Rosa as the NWA Women's Champion, uh, Tag Champs as James Storm and Eli Drake. Also, the National Champion, which uh, at the time is no longer the champion, but at the time was Aaron Stevens. Yet the TV champion, which they had just recrowned at the beginning of the year, was Ziggy Dice. And NWA announced that they were part- doing a partnership with the United Wrestling Network, which if you've never heard of them, I understand why, because I had kind of never heard of them either. Uh, there's a group out there, a company out there called Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, and Dave Marquez is the owner there. That is uh, kind of the group that has formed the United Wrestling Network. It's supposed to be a version of the NWA. It had... They wanted to uh, bring promotions in and create this network of, of companies that would share a champion. They were supposed to crown a champion. Well, they never got around to it. Apparently, they're going to do it now, but that's beside the point. What has come out of this is a new show that is airing uh, as a pay-per-view style show, kind of like what NWA TNA was in the very beginning when it was on uh, pay-per-view. It was a uh, $9.99, I think it was $9.99 uh, or $10 or whatever per week for the show. They had, it's called UWN Primetime Live. It's a joint venture between the United Wrestling Network and the National, and NWA. I don't think they're really referred to as the National Wrestling Alliance because there's not really an alliance anymore. It's just one promotion. But that's where we've got to see the return of Nick Aldis defending his NWA world title against Mike Bennett a few weeks ago. Thunder Rose has been on there a few times. Uh, Aaron Stevens actually dropped the national title to Trevor Murdoch, formerly WWE. Last, uh, last uh, this week, actually, rather, on the, on the show, we got the TV title defended. Zicky Dice defended against The Pope, formerly known as D'Angelo De Niro, Elijah Burke in WWE. You remember him, right? Yeah, vaguely. Oh, yeah, he, he was. He comes to mind. Yeah, well, he, uh, he had a good run there for TNA for a little bit as D'Angelo De Niro had title shot against AJ Styles. Hey, he was an announcer at one point with Josh Matthews on Impact. He came back to NWA at the beginning of the year, was kind of, he never really wrestled. Uh, it was just kind of in a marriage. He actually managed Eddie Kingston, of all people, to start with when yep. Eddie Kingston was part of the NWA brand. He defeated Zicky Dice to win the NWA World Television title uh, this week on the edition of Primetime Live. So congratulations to him. And I did some some thinking about this because, you know, he had, a, he had his run in uh, WWE and ECW and in, on SmackDown and never won a title there. In Impact, he never won a title. I'm pretty sure this is his first major singles title in his career. He's 42 years old, or Oof. 40, upper 40s at least, or I'm sorry, lower 40s. Kind of around the same age as AJ Styles, who I think is 42, 43. AJ, I, think, I think he's like in his upper 30s, I think. Well, AJ's crossed the 40, 40 threshold because uh, that's been a, a conversation lately of 
if AJ is, uh, you look at the guys that were considered old back in the, you know, 80s and 90s that were right, right around 40. Like Ric Flair was considered old, even though, and, and that's why part of the reason why he went to WWF originally back in the early 90s. Well, AJ Styles is right around that same age, and he's arguably the best wrestler in the company, and they treat him as such. So it's kind of funny how the business has evolved. The Pope, D'Angelo De Niro, Elijah Burke, whatever his name is now at this point, he is uh, around the same age as AJ, and he just won his first singles title in his career, at least a major singles title. I'm sure he's won an independent title out there, but congratulations to him. MLW had a note come out this week that um, their weekly show used to be Fusion that you can catch on BN uh, Sports, uh, which uh, local cable channel or a cable channel, national. Also, you can watch them on, I think they were on YouTube and uh, Fight TV. They're now on FUBU Sports, which uh, if you have trouble finding that, I understand why. Search it out. You'll find it out there. But the night that they're going to air the show, this is what I found interesting. 7 p.m. on Wednesdays, followed by a replay of the show at 10 p.m. that same night. What else comes on Wednesdays? NXT and AEW Very at the same true. time. From 8 to 10. So if you love, you if you consider Wednesday night your wrestling night, it just got bigger because depending on what time you get home or what time you can settle into the TV, if you find your way into FUBU Sports to watch MLW, you'll be able to watch them from 7 to 10 leading you, or 7 to 8 rather, leading you into AEW and NXT. Or you can cap off your night by watching the show after the two. So I, th- I thought that was interesting. That's actually a pretty smart move because if you think about it, like it doesn't matter if it's like the main show or the replay, you don't, you still really get to see the show on the same night. It's not like you're waiting two, three days when the results are already out there. I mean, this is like, this is actually a very good marketing move on MLW's part, by the way, back to turning towards NWA. How long has Nick Aldis held on to that title for God's sake? Because I remember he only dropped it once mm-hmm. to Cody Rhodes back two years ago and all in. And then he got it right back, like about what? About three, basically a month later. A month the later, N- yeah. NWA seventieth anniversary show, I think it was. It's like he's like pretty much the fabulous moolah of the NWA title, where he holds it for years and years and years. Well, or Bruno San Martino. In his to explain it better, I guess you could say, yeah, he's held the belt a long time, but NWA Power was the first time he was part of a like a concentrated promotion where he was actually really kind of. I'm not saying he wasn't regularly defending, but he had challengers that were probably equal to him. You, they were building towards the match with Marty Skrull at Crockett Cup that we never got to have because of COVID. He had matches with James Storm. He had a match with Flip Gordon. He had uh, a, a, he had a match with Ricky Morton of all people for the NWA World Title on Power. Uh, who, my goodness, you talk about age n- not mattering in wrestling anymore. The man's sixty something. He's still closing in on seventy, and he's still doing Canadian Destroyers. What in the world is Dustin going on? Rosen too far back, and he's still doing destroyers. He's like fifty something. He's just nailing them like he's like he's like in his thirties. Very true. And now you talk about good marketing ideas. MLW, you get that on uh, Wednesdays with them coming up. You know, if you if you don't get to catch them at seven, if you really want to continue your night of wrestling after NXT and AEW, you have to do that. There's actually a way that not a lot of people probably know about that you can continue your night of wrestling on Fridays after SmackDown. New Japan Pro Wrestling, which, you know, a lot of fans, uh, niche wrestling fans really enjoy to watch. I happen to, to follow the product. I do enjoy it. Wrestle Kingdom was great this past year. They were the first to do the two-night thing before WrestleMania ever did it. So that's like their version of WrestleMania. But they also have a show that is actually U.S.-based. They announced an expansion uh, into the U.S. several years ago, New Japan Wrestling of America. They've been promoting shows. We had a show here in Atlanta locally at the Roxy uh, back in January. There was a show in Nashville. Uh, they're trying to find a foothold here, and they're actually they started taping a show back in I think it was July called NW or New Japan Wrestling Strong, which doesn't have a TV home yet. But if you are already a subscriber of New Japan World, hopefully you already know about it. But that's their version of the WWE Network. If you want to catch their shows, that's a way to do it. It costs about the same, about ten dollars a month. But it airs there. It's at 10 o'clock, I think, it premieres on every Friday right after SmackDown. So just an interesting, it's it's a fun time in the wrestling world. I mean, Tuesdays, <laughs> you watch Dark straight into Impact Wrestling. Or if you watch that UWN Primetime Live, which I haven't caught yet. But, I mean, they're on at the same time as Impact. There's just wrestling everywhere. It's kind of insane. 
Yeah, I mean, it's like the whole week is booked up with wrestling. Mondays, you got Raw. Tuesdays, you got Dark and um, Impact. Wednesdays, you got NXT AEW. Thursdays, you get NXT UK. Friday, you get SmackDown. Saturday, maybe a pay-per-view like an Impact or AEW pay-per-view. Sunday, WWE pay-per-view. They got a they got a show every day of the week now. It's getting insane. It's overloading it's, my brain, and I don't, I'm not complaining, but, you know, it's just a lot to work with. It's almost too much, and, that, like, I want to watch it all, but I can't watch it all. I don't have enough time in the day. Where was this, like... 15 years ago when I was a college kid, didn't have a girlfriend, didn't have a wife, had had a part-time job, had all the time in the world, that's when I wanted to be watching all this. All I had then was TNA and WWE. Yeah, I mean, you got, we both got a couple jobs here and there. We got, we got this place, and we also got our other jobs elsewhere. You've got a wife and kid. I got... Wait, they pay well, us here? What, you didn't know? Hold a minute now. You're not even supposed to be here. Remember? <laughs> you snuck in. Doesn't mean I get a paycheck. Doesn't mean I don't get a paycheck. I'm on the clock, man. This is my pay time. Uh, okay. Well, I mean, where just, have you been? Yeah, I'm just saying. You just admitted at the beginning of the show that like you just kind of like you don't know who you are and you snuck into the building. So. Yeah, it's after hours, but I mean, it doesn't mean I don't work here. Uh, well, I don't know. It may sound like it, but all right, man. Well, I think we've taken up all the time that we can this week because I think security's coming for you, so you might want to go on and run about your own way. We need to wrap this thing up. This has been the Other Guys Podcast. Thanks for tuning in this week. We'll be back each and every week. we got a special extra podcast coming up later this week as well, a Bound for Glory preview show that we'll be doing coming your way. Again, follow us on Twitter at Russell Extra. I'm at Bearded Colwell. He's at Intern David 680 You can also subscribe to us. Please do. On all your podcast platforms out there, you can find the finishing move there. And with that, you'll get this show here, the Other Guys Podcast, the Finishing Move, the Dark Matches Podcast, and the live version of the podcast that airs every Thursday, 7 to 8 p.m. on Extra 106.3 here in the Atlanta area. We put that out in podcast form as well that myself, Big John Radcliffe, and Road Dog Adam Gillespie all team up to bring to you each and every week. You'll get that by just subscribing to the Finishing Move on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all your podcast platforms. You can also go to thepodcastpart.com and extra1063.com. You'll find the show there as well. Until next week, so long, wrestling fans.